You're listening to the Sheep Spot Podcast, a show for hand spinners about making yarns we love. Hey there, Sheep Spotters. Welcome to episode 48 of the Sheep Spot Podcast. I'm Sasha from Sheepspot.com, where we offer diverse hand-dyed wools and the information and support you need to make those wools into beautiful yarns that you love. Oh my goodness, people. I am late with the podcast. I'm truth to truth be told, I'm about 10 days late with the podcast. Um I am in full ply away preparation mode here and uh it's a bit mad. And last week, I just could not get myself together. Um, And I didn't get much dyeing done either, because I had a little bit of a tummy bug. Um, And this weekend, I was in Toronto with Mr. Sheepspot, seeing a little bit of dance and eating some good food and generally disporting myself about the city. So I'm a bit late. But I'm excited about this episode, and I'm excited about an announcement I'm going to make at the end of the episode. So today we're talking about color theory for spinners. That's related to the announcement that I'm making. And first, though, I want to just follow up a little bit on something that came up in episode 41. That was one of the sock episodes, and... It was the one on opposing ply yarns. And you may recall that in that episode, I mentioned that one of my breed school members, one of my fiber club members, had had some issues with the yarn guide on her Lendrum Lazy Kate when she was trying to ply an opposing ply yarn. And so I have this marvelous follow-up from a listener about that very point. And I'm just going to tell you what she said. This is from Nancy Wilson. Nancy, thank you so much for writing in. Nancy has also been experimenting with opposing ply yarns. And she emailed me with some tips, which I thought was extremely thoughtful. Um, And particularly about plying using a lazy Kate with a, a yarn guide. So like the Lendrum, or in her case, the Nancy's Knit Knacks, Lazy Kate, and try to say that five times fast. Uh, so here's what she said. I used a Nancy's Knit Knacks Lazy Kate and ended up putting my two Z singles on the same side of the Kate. I put the S twist single on the other side. I ended up handling the two Z singles together and the S single separately, sort of like I was doing a regular two-ply yarn. I also put just the S single through the yarn guide. If I do this again, I will have only the two Z singles go through the yarn guide and have the S single not go through it at all. So if you are a person who has a lazy Kate with a a yarn guide and you're thinking about uh, doing a little experimenting with opposing ply yarns, you might do what Nancy's going to do. And that is have the two Z singles go through the yarn guide and then keep the S single kind of separate 
don't put it through the urine guide. I think that that will probably be pretty effective at controlling the issue that um, my fiber club member was having. So many thanks to Nancy for those tips. And uh, now we're going to go on to the topic of the week. And actually, this is going to be the first episode of a bunch of episodes about color. And so the first thing we need to do, sheep spotters, is we need to talk a little bit about color theory. And I do not want you to freak out. Don't freak out. Just because color theory has the word theory in it, tends people tend to get a little nervous. But really, color theory is just a very powerful and precise way of talking about colors and of predicting what's going to happen when we mix or combine colors. That's really all color theory is. And um, a lot of people find it scary, but I think it gives us some useful tools. And so what I'm going to do today, excuse me, I'm just going to get a little water. There's a little audio verite touch for you. Um, So what I'm going to do today is just talk to you about the three aspects of color and the names that color theory gives those aspects. And then I'm going to talk a little bit about combining or mixing colors. Because every time we spin and ply a multicolored braid, what we are doing, unless we're taking really self-conscious, mindful steps to prevent doing this, what we're doing is we're mixing colors. So, and color theory can help us sort of predict what's going to happen. So um, every color, as I've said, has three aspects to it. So as I'm describing this to you, I want you to imagine, um, imagine the globe, because color is It has three aspects. It's kind of a three, so it has these three dimensions to it. So the first thing I want to talk to you about is what color theory calls hue and what we ordinary people call colloquially color. So green is a hue. More precisely, though, some greens have a lot of blue in them. We call those blue-greens. Blue-green is also a hue. And some greens have a lot of yellow in them. We call these yellow greens. Yellow green is also a hue. So a hue is, um, it's one of the 12 colors on the color wheel. And all colors, um, sort of, that's the, what the color wheel does is present the visible spectrum of color in a kind of circular form. So, um, So what I want you to do when you're thinking about hue is to think about the circumference of your globe, so the equator of the globe. So imagine that if you are looking down at, imagine your globe is transparent. I know I'm asking you to imagine a lot of things, but imagine your globe is transparent and you're looking down through the middle of it and... um, And you can see the whole spectrum from red uh, to orange to yellow to green to blue to violet 
back to red, that you can see that all going around the equator of your globe. Okay, so hue is our first dimension and that's, we're gonna place that on the equator. So we often talk colloquially about pale colors or pastel colors or dark colors. And pale and dark are just colloquial, or pastel are just colloquial ways of describing what color theory calls value. And value is how much black or white is in a color. So if we go back to our imaginary globe, think of white at the North Pole and black at the South Pole. So pick a point on the equator, that's your hue. And if you go north, the color is going to get lighter as more white is added to it. And if you go south towards the South Pole, you will um, encounter penguins and also the same color will get darker as more black is added to it. So we've got our equator, that's hue. We've got our North and South Pole, that's value. And finally, we have what color theory calls saturation. So saturation refers to how pure a hue is. So again, think of your hues going around the equator and now think of going in towards the center of the earth, like the hot molten center of the earth where all the lava is. Okay, so in there, um, as you're going towards the center of the sphere, the colors are mixing with one another more and more. So the brightest and clearest colors are on the outside of the sphere. Sorry, someone just came to the door and I've lost my place a little bit. Um, I think what I was saying was the brightest, clearest colors are right at the outside of the sphere. So right at the crust of the earth. Um, but as we go into the earth, <clears throat> as we dig down, <clears throat> the colors are get mixed together and as we go towards the very center, that's where we'll find the really, really desaturated browns and grays that we sometimes call mud. Okay, so we've got the bright hues on the outside. And then as we go towards the center, the colors get, the hues get duller and duller, or color theory calls that more and more desaturated. So every color has these three aspects. Um, hue, value, and saturation. And so if you're like most spinners, you've had the experience of finding a braid of fiber that you really love, spinning it, and then not really liking the final result nearly as much as the initial braid. And this is usually because spinning and plying fibers of different hues always has the effect of desaturating the colors. That's just a fact of spinning life. So when we spin our singles, the colors in the braid get stretched out and made into lines of color. And then when we ply, we twist together multiple lines of color to make a series of what our eyes perceive as little dots of different colors. So, um, I hope you're with me so far. Here's where things get a little more complicated. So when we look at our plied yarn, our brain does something called optical mixing. 
and our brain sees all those little dots of color next to one another, and it kind of smushes them together and blends them. So our eyes will see, particularly from far away, our eyes will see, say, green rather than a yellow dot and a blue dot next to each other. So unless we take some kind of purposeful action to prevent this, the processes of spinning and plying uh, take what might start out in the braid as very strong, clear colors and stretches them out into lines. And then in the plying process, turns them into little dots of color sitting next to other little dots of color, which our eyes and brain then mix together. So next week, I'm going to give you some specific tips on how to predict what will happen when the colors in a dyed braid um, get combined in this way through the process of spinning and, and plying. For now, you just need to know that every time you spin different colors of fiber and then ply them together, you are in effect mixing colors. And that's why the colors in the yarn never look as clear and bright as the colors in the braid. So a basic knowledge of color theory, and I'm going to get more into this next week, can help you analyze a multicolored braid before you start spinning it and predict quite a lot about how that braid is going to look when it's spun up in different ways. So, and now here I am at my announcement. Um, I'm actually going to be teaching an online live workshop and I really hope that you will join me. The workshop's called A Dyer's Guide to Spinning Multicolored Braids. And it's going to take p- place on Saturday, April 6th at 1 p.m. Eastern Time. Here are a few things we're going to be covering. The different ways fiber gets dyed and why they matter. How you should think about them as you're preparing to spin a braid. Which brightly colored braids are the most likely to get muddy when spun, and how you can prevent this, how to use color theory and the color wheel to predict and adjust your results, how fiber choice and fiber preparation will affect the colors in your final yarn, and how yarn design choices like diameter, drafting method, and plying affect color. So the decisions you make as you are actually designing your yarn are going to have a huge impact on how color works. We're also going to talk about the techniques you can use to control how and where color shows up in your final yarn. And I'm going to answer lots of questions about spinning multicolored braids. You can bring a braid that you find particularly tricky or that you're worried about turning into a muddy mess uh, you can bring that to the our online workshop and show it to me, and I will kind of talk you through it. We're going to be using an online conferencing platform called Zoom for the workshop. If you've never used it before, it's dead easy, very straightforward. And if you're not able to make it to the class live, uh, I will be making a downloadable video replay available for everyone who buys a ticket. So, and that video is going to be yours to keep and to refer to. So tickets for the workshop are going to go on sale on Friday, March 15th. And you can find more information about the workshop and get um, 
turn, put, give me your email so I can notify you when tickets go on sale. Um, but they're going on sale on the 15th. Um, and you can get information. It's all on the homepage of the white, uh, website at sheepspot.com. Uh, if you buy your ticket in the first week, tickets are on sale. You can get it for the early bird price of $47. And that price is going to be available through Thursday, March 21st. Starting on Friday, March 22nd, the standard ticket price will go up to $97. So after Friday, um, or from Friday, March 22nd on, the tickets will be $97 and they will be available on sale until April 1st or until they sell out. So your ticket price gets you access to the live workshop, the downloadable video replay of the workshop, a copy of the slide presentation that I'm going to be using during the workshop, and a PDF workbook that will teach you how to get the results that you want every time you spin a multicolored braid, just by asking yourself a series of questions. As I've mentioned, space is limited. My plan with Zoom will only allow a certain number of people onto the call. Please don't wait till the last minute. I'm not sure when I'll be doing this class again online, and I would hate to see you miss out. So if you'd like a reminder when tickets go on sale, just head over to sheepspot.com and enter your email address. And if you have any questions at all about the workshop, please don't hesitate to email me at sasha at sheepspot.com. So that is it for me this week. Next week, I will be back and talking about how you can use a color wheel to, uh, again, predict what's likely to happen when the colors in your beloved, beautiful, bright, multicolored braid get mixed together in your final yarn and uh, some steps that you can take to get a little control over that if you want to. I look forward to... Um, speaking with you then. And that episode is going to go up on Friday, come hell or high water, um, Friday the 15th. I'll also, at that point, of course, remind you about the workshop. And uh, until then, my darlings, have a wonderful week and do some spinning. It'll make you feel better. Okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.